This is Dan Wilson Uncancelled. Let's go. It's time now for Uncancelled. And this is where the world's top commentators speak out on controversial issues without the fear of the cancel culture sweeping the rest of the media. Now, members of the monarchy wading into politics, as we've just discussed, has long been a contentious issue in this country. But imagine the gall of Prince Harry to publicly slam his adopted country of America. Speaking at the United Nations General Assembly yesterday to mark the observance of Nelson Mandela International Day, Harry railed off all his top woke hits. But most surprising was the way he compared the war in Ukraine. The war in Ukraine to the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade. Look. How many of us feel battered, helpless, in the face of the seemingly endless stream of disasters and devastation. I understand. This has been a painful year in a painful decade. And from the horrific war in Ukraine to the rolling back of constitutional rights here in the United States, we are witnessing a global assault on democracy and freedom, the cause of Mandela's life. That was just 30 seconds of his speech, by the way, so spare a thought to those in attendance. There weren't many uh, who had to endure the full 30-minute spiel. And in a razor-sharp column for the Mail Online, which I just love, top Republican commentator, former host of The View, Meghan McCain, has asked the very reasonable question, is there any country that is good enough for the woke Duke? Uh, Meghan wrote, if the UK is a cesspool of racism and America is a contributor to a, an assault on democracy and freedom. What is good enough, Mr. Prince? If it is so terrible here and our constitution is so terrible, feel free to leave. Canada might be a better fit. And I'm delighted to say that Meghan McCain joins <laughs> me stateside. Meghan, I mean, this speech, where do we begin? Where do we begin? I mean, I was forced to watch it. I would never have watched it <laughs> had my editor not forced me to. And I was actually just really shocked. The audacity of, you know, Prince Harry, he is a guest in this country and he is someone that has not been universally uh, beloved. He is not universally liked. He is very controversial, he and his wife, as I know that they are in your country as well. Yeah. And coming here in front of the United Nations and having a very deep misunderstanding of what our Constitution is. It's a live document. The Supreme Court exists to, you know, vote and and have many judges who uh, analyze and, and discuss and figure out what they think is constitutional and not in the United States of America. He has a very, very basic misunderstanding of democracy and democracy in America. And again, he's not a politician. I heard your panel earlier. I don't really understand why uh, Prince Charles and Prince Harry think that they are politicians. We yeah. have fantastic politicians in this country. No one cares what he has to say. Absolutely no one, except for maybe like extreme progressive wokesters that is the very, very small minority. But I found it really offensive. And, you know, Megan is floating running for president, which I just think would be absolutely hilarious because, <laughs> you know, America is a big place. She would have to go to red yeah. states with people who make under $100,000 a year. She'd have to go to state <laughs> fair. She'd have to meet people who love guns and love the Constitution. And I think their problem and Prince Harry's problem is that 
they're staying in these, um, you know, city enclaves in New York and California, and they're not really meeting Americans. But I, I think they should leave if they hate it here so much. And he yes. hates it here so much. He hasn't been here that long. But why do you want to be here? If, if, if America is an assault on democracy, and as I said in my column, and the UK is just this racist hellscape, you know, you should find a country that is more fitting to your yeah. needs. But this is not making yeah. fans of his. This is the second time he's trashed the Constitution publicly. He did mm -hmm. it on a podcast last year. And again, I just don't really understand if you're a guest in a country seeking political asylum for your from your horrible home country, why you would come here and trash our freedoms that we all hold so dear here. And he doesn't well, understand democracy in America at all. No, and he certainly doesn't understand that the Constitution enshrines freedom of the press, which is obviously such a spectacular thing. I mean, what's so fascinating to me about this, Megan, you know, look, I've covered uh, Prince Harry for years, and when he was very popular in this country, right, it was once he had actually gone to fight in Afghanistan, and he was a proper lad, right? He used to read my old newspaper, The Sun, and he loved the fact that we used to have at The Sun, they don't anymore, I've gone a little bit PC now, but they used to have, you know, the page three girl on page three, which was the woman, you know, with, with her boobs out. And, and you know, he, he was, he was anti-woke, you know, him and his mates uh, had a laugh about things. And he was also never known to be the sharpest tool in the shed. You know, he was a, he was a bloke that that was very accessible to people, but he was certainly not an intellect, to put it lightly. And so what seems to have happened is he'd had his soul sucked out of him by Meghan uh, Markle. <laughs> and she is feeding him this woke mumbo jumbo. And by the way, I've been told for quite some time she is writing his speeches, right? Because he doesn't know about this stuff. And the thing is, he doesn't look happy to me. He looks controlled by her. Well, he's playing with fire with the stuff that he's saying right now. I think she's probably savvy enough to understand what she's doing. But, you know, the Constitution of the United States of America is sacred. And yeah. the whole purpose of the United States of America, no disrespect to you or your audience, is that we didn't want to be ruled or governed by a monarchy. <laughs> and we just had yeah. the 4th of July and, you know, and the parade I went to, they had George Washington impersonators. And it's a very, it's a source of pride that our country is rebellious and, you know, we're, you know, it's banned of misfits and all these things. And I think for him to come in and be a prince and someone who has never really understood or lived in, you know, the, the spoils and blessings that democracy has, it's just bizarre to me for him to come and just trash this country. But I'm telling you, friends of mine who were fans of theirs in the beginning, and this is just anecdotal, but I have a few friends that were very, very good friends of theirs. They are losing popular opinion here because it looks like a, they don't have any real job other than to make these weird speeches and to fly around in private planes at the same time lecturing everyone about climate yes, change. And yes. then B, it just seems like they just hang out with celebrities. So it's it's a very, to me, it seems like a very strange existence for someone who could have really invoked real change in their home country with their titles. But yeah. they're they're C celebrities at best here. They're hanging out at very bougie restaurants, going to very bougie places. Um just like you would see, you know, an actor and or she is an actress, but um, it's it's very strange to me. It's a very strange um, turn of events, but he should stop if he has any sense at all, because he's going to start getting booed places. He did go to a rodeo, actually, that I attended in Texas. I didn't see him there, but it came out 
afterward that he had been there. And if he's going to go to places like Texas around people like me, you need to have respect for this country and the people who are, you know, God-fearing, gun-loving Americans who like being here and love our country. And he seems to want to do things like that once in a while. But I'm telling you, if he goes to a rodeo next week after saying what he <laughs> says, he should expect to be booed. Boo him. And they're booed in this country <laughs> too, which actually said something. Look, the final thing I wanted to touch on, uh, Megan, was the despicable way that he hijacked the memory uh, of Nelson Mandela. I mean, this was not meant to be about Prince Harry and his personal political views. And the, the idea that Nelson Mandela was against freedom of the media, for example, is just utterly ridiculous. And I think he actually denigrated the memory of Nelson Mandela by, by turning his day, what was meant to be his day, into an opportunity to take cheap political pot shots. And I think he did a disservice to Mandela's memory. I find it grotesque when people speak for the dead. Um, people do it mm. about my deceased father all the time. I find it distasteful. I find it, you know, very tacky. And I think if you're speaking on behalf of one of the great legends in the world of all time, whose history and legacy will last for decades and eons, if not further. Um, yeah, I thought it was distasteful. And, you know, Roe versus Wade and democracy and all these things in our American domestic politics, which are still being adjudicated. We have midterms elections coming up. People are going to vote how they want. And by the way, my side is winning wholehandedly right now, if you look at any <laughs> yeah. polling whatsoever, which is not his side. And I just I just think it's bizarre. And I think um, Nelson Mandela's family certainly deserve better. I don't know how they feel. I, you know, I don't want to disrespect them. Obviously, they're, you know, wonderful people. But um, yeah, I thought the whole thing was distasteful and bizarre and rambling. And clearly, I hated it. So, <laughs> no, me too. I was not quiet about me it. Me too. Take well, look, him back. <laughs> take him we back don't want him. Sorry, Megan. We don't, don't want him. <laughs> we don't want them anymore. Uh, look, Megan, it was an absolutely brilliant column. Really recommend people check it out on Mail Online or DailyMail.com. Megan McCain, love speaking to you. Thank you so much. Time now for my exclusive interview with would-be Prime Minister and serving Eternal General, Suella Braverman. She cemented her name as the no-nonsense Brexit loyalist of the Tory right wing and bowed out of the leadership race in sixth place, ahead of, by the way, the likes of Nadeem Zahawi and Sajid Javid. Reflecting on who will now win the keys to number 10, Suala sat down with me for a tell-all interview earlier this evening on the high-octane race to BPM, and she reveals who she is backing to take the top job. General, great to have you here tonight. What a seismic two weeks this has been in British politics. I have to say, first off, congratulations on your campaign. I think you would have been a great prime minister. But given the process has been so truncated, you didn't really get a chance, did you, to, to show what you were offering the country? Well, thank you for your kind words. I, I very much enjoyed putting my name forward arguing my case to colleagues and the country. And whilst of course I'm disappointed with the results, um, I have no regrets whatsoever about uh, standing on a very clearly defined policy platform that was presented to members in a professional way. And I was really grateful for the support uh, that I got from uh, the team, people who nominated me, the people who campaigned for me, those friendly colleagues who actually voted for me, uh, and actually just blown away by the very 
you know, very high levels of goodwill that I got from my colleagues, even if they didn't vote. For me. Now, you were the Spartan Brexiteer in the process, and almost immediately after being eliminated, you swung your support behind Liz Truss, which was very significant in this process. Of course, Liz has absolutely become a proponent of Brexit, but she didn't vote for Brexit. So that endorsement from you really was a signal to the Brexiteers in your party that we can trust Truss when it comes to Brexit. Why do you have that faith in her, given that she voted Remain? I've worked closely with Liz during her time as Foreign Secretary principally, but also when she was International Trade Secretary. And I've seen close up that she is very much committed to delivering on the Brexit opportunities. She is wholeheartedly committed and devoted to resolving the issues relating to Northern Ireland. And I've really seen that she's a big champion for Brexit. So for me, her actions and what she's done in government and how she's used her roles in government have persuaded me that she is uh, the strongest advocate for Brexit on offer. Have you been offered a cabinet post in her administration? I don't think Liz is offering cabinet posts to people uh, uh, and, and uh, uh, that's my understanding. So no, no, no such discussions have taken place. Of course, it's looking increasingly likely that it will be a Truss versus Sunak runoff, but we don't know. So, so I want to talk about all three candidates, of course, because the MPs still have Penny Mordaunt in the mix as well. Now, Ms Mordaunt was the early favourite amongst the members, but over the past week there's been real scrutiny, especially when it comes to her positioning and uh her actuality, I guess, when it comes to trans ideology and the rights of women. You, of course, have been a real proponent for that, especially because you've been at the coalface in terms of your maternity leave and, and needing to protect your job in that position. Your experience is that Penny Mordaunt didn't want to protect the rights of, the women, in, of, of women in legislation, is that correct? My experience uh, was uh, relating to Penny's stewardship of the Ministerial and Other Maternity Allowances Bill, uh, which was introduced by government uh, for my benefit at the time, uh, because I had a baby. Mm. I was a and minister. you needed maternity leave as Attorney General, and under the law you couldn't get that at the time. Exactly. It was crazy. It, is, it was crazy. It was uh, an anomaly of our system that uh, just by virtue of having a baby I would have had to resign from my mm. job. and. I have to say, to his credit, the Prime Minister was absolutely 100% uh, supportive of someone in his top team having a baby, no questions asked, and he was 100% behind me and supporting me to have some time with my newborn and also come back to my job. And I'll always be grateful to him for his support. But it required legislation. Uh, Penny Mordaunt was the bill minister taking the bill through Parliament. And what happened was, in the bill, uh, it referred to me as a pregnant person. That's gender neutral language. That's the civil service preferred um, terminology to use in those circumstances, so they said. And um, that was quite, I, I took it, I actually was personally quite offended by it. Uh, I thought I'm a pregnant woman and I think that should be honored in Absolutely. the legislation. And, and she was responsible for that? Well, there was a lot of opposition to that wording by conservative backbenchers. Mm lords, uh, cross-party lords actually, um, yeah. and um, 
the record shows very clearly, I mean, it's indisputable what Penny's position was, and that was that she opposed mm. uh, changing the language for various reasons. So she wanted pregnant person to remain in the bill. That, that is what the record shows. And if you look at the, 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 the Hansard, uh, of late February, early March 2021, you will see very clearly what Penny Morden's mm. position was. Um, and she resisted any changes to the wording. So she's woke, right? I have to make clear, you know, I have I have no gripe with Penny. <laughs> Penny's, no, Penny's you're, you're, my you're friend. Neighboring MPs, I, I, yeah. She's my neighbouring MP and I think she's a formidable lady, mm. a great talent. Um, uh, I did disagree with the position she took on the wording in that legislation. I know many colleagues did in Parliament. Um, uh, but, but I, and I would, uh, and I disagree with her take on can you understand gender ideology. Why this matters to members because given the force of this new cultural wave of wokeism that has taken over so many institutions in our country, it's important that we have a prime minister that doesn't sign up to this ideology, isn't it? In my view, it is. I, I think um, I, I do see Penny as the woke candidate, mm. um, informed by the position she took last year on that bill. I think it was a no-brainer, actually, to change the wording to woman. And I don't think there was any legal or uh, drafting reason why it of couldn't have been not. done personally. Um, uh, I do think this is, I don't think it's our number one issue in the country. I don't think it's going to be determinative of this no. leadership campaign. I think the cost of living challenges mm. facing millions of families around the country, I think, you know, our approach on the economy uh, are much more pressing issues Absolutely. and defining issues, actually, uh, for but politics today. But it's indicative today. of a way of thinking. But okay. I, I, I do have quite strong feelings on this yeah. issue of, um, you know, the cultural uh, attitudes which are seeping into our public and private institutions. It relates to gender ideology. I'm quite concerned about the spread of a uh, particular politicised ideology in our schools, um, the approach taken to single-sex spaces, the approach Big taken time. to single-sex sports. I'm, I'm traditionalist, mm. you could say. I, I, and I Liz believe... Truss has stood up for the rights of women, hasn't she? That's Again, that's my experience of Liz. She gave a speech, it was quite controversial at the time, mm. I think in... It was end of 2020, mm. she gave a speech setting out her very clear views mm. on uh, gender and race and equalities generally in our country. And I think it was a very common sense approach. It was very much about fairness, meritocracy, equality of opportunity versus equality of outcome, mm. much more in favour of the former rather than the latter. Yeah. Uh, and I think looking at people on the content of their character rather than on Absolutely. their personal characteristics, skin colour or gender. So that's Mordant. I, I want to talk about Rishi Sunak because at the moment all of the polls of the members shows both Penny Mordant and Liz Truss thrashing Rishi Sunak in the runoff. A lot of that, Suella, is because of the perceived disloyalty of the former Chancellor towards the Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Now I spoke to Nadine Dorries on this show last week. And she said that for many months, the Chancellor was not committed to his work because he was plotting behind the scenes to depose Boris Johnson. Was that your experience? And can you understand why there is now so much reluctance to back Rishi Sunak, who's viewed as a backstabber? I've got to say, I don't know about those kind of stories. Uh, I personally would not have resigned. Uh, Rishi was in a very different position to me. He was, you know, he set it out in his resignation letter. I disagree with his decision to resign, 
but ultimately it's a personal decision. Um, I don't know how that will be viewed by the members, to be honest. I, I mean, my personal views, I, I, I feel a very great sense of loyalty to Boris Johnson. And I, I do think it's a, a, a I have a, a, a great sadness that uh, it's come to a, uh, an end in the way that it has, because I think he achieved huge amounts for our country. He's been an election winner. Uh, he's got an unassailable mm. record when it comes to elections. And I think there was a lot more for him to do, not just for our country, but for the world. So, um, and I think there's a lot of that goodwill towards him in the country. I certainly see in my constituency and amongst our membership. So that may well influence the vote, but who knows? I'm never going, it's a very brave person mm. who tries to anticipate the uh, results of an election. How was his final cabinet? meeting today and what was the mood like? Well, in characteristic uh, Boris Johnson style, it was upbeat, jovial, focused on the issues that really matter, i.e. the British people and delivery of policy. That's his passion. I, I won't lie, I, I shed a tear. You know, it, mm. it's um, we, uh, a gift was presented to the Prime Minister on behalf of the emotional? Cabinet. No, he's very, he's very pragmatic and um, you know, magnanimous mm. and um, reflective on, on the situation. I think at the end of the day, he is still prime minister. There is still a job of governing to do. Uh, you know, I, I've been in several other meetings with him on other subjects. You know, there are big decisions mm. still that require focus and uh, executive application. So he is actually focused on the day job. Just finally, Suella, you're obviously one of the main surrogates now, Fuller's Trust. I just want to ask you three quick fire questions about her policy positions, which are very important to our viewers. Yes. Is she committed to leave the European Court of Human Rights? Well, Liz has told me that she will do whatever it takes to solve the small boats problem. And, you know, if that requires leaving the European Convention of Human Rights, then so be it. Yes. I've been told that she is opposed to further COVID lockdowns. Is that your understanding? That's a good question. Um, I mean, that's quite hypothetical. And hopefully we're never presented mm. with such a question again. But from, again, from my experience of Liz and her views that she's taken in the past, that does sound very much like the Liz I know. And what about immigration? Again, I think she takes a pragmatic approach. I think that generally she would want us to get control over illegal migration. I think she's taking a very robust mm -hmm. approach, which is why I feel I can lend her my support mm -hmm. uh, in these circumstances. But, you know, I think she also acknowledges mm -hmm. that we have labour market shortages and we need to, first of all, try and incentivise the British workforce to fill those mm -hmm. gaps. But there may well meet, need, be an economic okay. need for migration. Will she sell Channel 4 and abolish the BBC licence fee? Again, I think Liz is quite clear on that. Uh, she wants to deliver our 2019 manifestos. Uh, and as that is, if I remember correctly, contained in our manifesto, I think it's definitely going to be delivered under Liz. Attorney General, Salala Ravan, so good to have you tonight. Likewise, thank you. Let's cross live to Westminster and get the view of our main man, Nigel, in What the Farage. So, Nigel, look, uh, do you think this decision by Tory MPs to knock out Kemi Badenoch today could maybe prove a fatal decision for the party at the next election? I do. She was the only one of those candidates with any fresh, radical, reforming ideas. And boy, this country needs reform. 
a completely different energy policy, a different attitude towards small and medium-sized businesses and entrepreneurs, genuine deregulation, cutting of bureaucracy, electoral reform, sweeping away a House of Lords that is completely out of date. So much needs to be done. And actually, Kelly Badenoch was prepared to say, let's take on the educational establishment that is poisoning our kids at school and in university and many other areas. She was the insurgent. She's out. We're left with three establishment candidates. Yes, Liz Truss wants to reduce taxes, uh, but frankly, I don't see any other reforming zeal in her or any of the others. It's more of the same. It's taking the Tory party back to its pre-Brexit self. It's making it a party, predominantly, I think, of social democracy, not very different to Labour. Um, and I think it's clear now that Truss is going to make the last two, that Truss will win this contest. She's incapable of communicating a message. It's difficult to believe, at least for me, in her real sincerity on this political journey she claims to have been on. I think the Tory party are on for catastrophic loss at the next election. And I'll, I will take issue with Calvin Robinson. He said she's the best of the three. No, she's not. She might just be the least worst. But I don't <laughs> think any of it... <laughs> I, yeah. I don't think well, any of it is very good. Look, the, the, what do you think of my theory, though, Nigel, that trust may well blossom in the role of Prime Minister in a way that Theresa May never had it in her to do. Because, of course, Thatcher, when she first became Prime Minister, wasn't the Thatcher we came to know. And it was actually the role that enhanced her. Because from everything I know about Truss's views, and I speak to people who are very close to her, she is sound on the things that you and I care a lot about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've heard it all before, Dan. I heard it with <laughs> Theresa May. Don't worry, she voted Remain. It's all going to be fine. Can I remind you, not only did Liz Truss, on the biggest single constitutional question we faced since the war, that's how big Brexit was, mm -hmm. not only did she get that wrong, but she voted three times for Theresa May's abysmal sellout. If you think... If you think that in the space of 18 months, suddenly she's somebody that understands Brexit, gets its passions, gets its emotions, will bring back proper border controls, will stand up to Brussels on the things like Northern Ireland and all the rest of it. I'm sorry, she's an out and out careerist. I don't see an ounce of sincerity. And it's very touching, Dan that you believe in Liz Truss, as you believed in Theresa May. Liz, we trust. Um, I think maybe, uh, maybe when you get older, you get a bit more cynical about <laughs> politics. Well, no, I fell out of love with Theresa May pretty damn quickly. Uh, but I want to keep the faith, Nigel. I mean, look, it, it, it's, we're at too important a time in our history, aren't we, to have another lame duck prime minister. This is so important. It's so important for the country that Liz Truss succeeds. And I understand your scepticism, of course I do. But I want her to succeed if she wins. And for me, again, the idea of Sunak uh, being prime minister, it is more of the same. There is no change to economic policy. The tax burden remains astronomical. And I think uh, he's essentially uh, a bit of a secret well. wokester as well.
Look, she may bring down taxes a bit, fine. And, you know, Rishi's put them up to the biggest burden for 70 years. Is she going to leave ECHR and get back control of our borders? Mm. I don't think so. Is she going to make us self-sufficient in energy? No, she'll stick to this crackpot net zero agenda. Is she going to reform anything in our broken system? Will she be on the side of the five and a half million small businesses, small men and, men and women out there, genuine entrepreneurs? She doesn't even, even understand who they are. No. You, yes, a few pence off tax. Basically, you're getting a Social Democrat leader of the Conservative Party in a David Cameron mould. It will be a disaster. I asked Braverman, by the way, about the CHR, and, and she seems uh, pretty assured by trust that if necessary, she will leave. Obviously, Truss also <laughs> believes in fracking too. Uh, but you, you obviously, you don't think she will actually pull the pin. Look, it's just like the EU debate was years ago. If necessary, we'll consider what options we have to take to deal with the EU. The Tory party only went for Brexit because they were forced into it, frankly, mm -hmm. by an insurgent yep. revolution that took place in this mm -hmm. country. Uh, no, I don't believe she will do any of those things. Dan, if I'm proved wrong, I'll eat my hat, but I just don't believe it. <laughs> uh, Mordant, Nigel, her campaign has just crashed. Hasn't it? Have, have you been surprised to see yeah. that happen? And did you get to know her at all? Because she was obviously pro-Brexit during the referendum. Yes, she was pro-Brexit during the referendum and she cuts an attractive figure in some ways until you examine the fact that she wasn't telling the truth about trans issues. We've just lost a big personality prime minister because of his inability to tell the truth. That's why we're in the mess we're in. And when it, when it was exposed that Morden wasn't telling the truth about what she'd said and done over trans issues, that was the end of it. And she's gone from being odds-on favourite this time last week to looking like a rank outsider uh, in the selection tomorrow for the final two. You just have to tell the truth if you want to lead this country, even if some of the things you say are unpalatable. And that's the real lesson from 2022. It's happened to a prime minister, but we should tell our kids and our grandkids, if you get caught doing something wrong, don't lie, hold your hands up, ask for forgiveness, and generally you'll get it. It's a big, there is a big, long, historical, moral story that comes out of the fall of Johnson. I think there are many in the Conservative Party today regretting that Boris is gone, but he yeah. did it to himself. Possibly, but I think you look at these contenders and you look at where the country's at and all of a sudden Johnson, uh, who's on a bit of a grand farewell tour and clearly has his spark and his energy back, I think he looks much more attractive in terms of an election winner anyway. Nigel, the other big issue for oh, yeah. the Tory party uh, as a result of this leadership race is just how out of touch uh, MPs are with the membership. And of course, you saw that uh, over, over the Brexit race. But we see it again now with Rishi Sunak, because can you see any circumstance where Sunak wins? Because, you know, I'm, I know they're polls and I know they're volatile. But if you look at all of the polls of Tory members, he's been thrashed by Badenoch, thrashed by Truss solidly beaten by Morden. I mean, what could Sunak do to, to win the faith of the members? Because I think for good reason, he's lost I, it. If, if, if Trust, and I'm assuming Trust makes the last two, if Trust's campaign team have got half a brain, they will expose 
Rishi's attitude towards the Chinese Communist Party. Mm -hmm. That, in terms of geopolitics, is Rishi's biggest single weakness. He is a pro-China, uber-globalist, big state, high tax, big government. He's barely even a conservative in any way at all. And I just don't see, uh, given given that ball and chain of China, he's got to drag around with him towards the, towards the membership. I just, you know, barring Liz Truss, uh, turning out to be a fraudster or a serial killer, I just don't see how she doesn't win a head-to-head -head against Sunak. So it isn't going to be PM Sunak. It's going to be PM Truss, someone, frankly, that we barely know, someone that tells us she's been on this extraordinary political journey, someone that tells us she's been through this Damascene conversion. I don't look into her eyes when she's speaking. I don't see that conviction. OK. Well, time is going to tell us, isn't it? But I do agree with you on one thing. I think it is looking pretty inevitable. We're going to be introducing Prime Minister Truss on the 5th of September. Nigel, brilliant show tonight. Thank you so much for sticking around Thank at you. Westminster. And Nigel is, of course, back 7pm tomorrow when we will know the final two. Dan Wooden here again. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of my podcast, Uncancelled. Did you like what you hear? Well, remember to subscribe, rate and review and join me for more newsmaking interviews, fiery debate and free speech on Dan Wooden tonight every Monday to Thursday from 9pm till 11pm on GB News.